You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. In the mid-1600s, Church of England got together to... um, try to quantify or quantify um, kind of a centralized belief system, if you will, doctrine. And it, it's written out as the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And uh, the opening question line in there is, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is to, the answer they applied was to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And when we sang that, that verse, um, that line, all my days were made for this, that's what jumped out at me. All of our days were made for this, to glorify God and to joy, <laughs> enjoy him forever. So um, I'm not hiding from you. This, I'm not feeling well today. Um, uh, I still wanted to come and, and preach this opening message also so that you would not think that um, if Georgia would have lost, if I was, <laughs> if I was absent... So, uh, so at least I got one more Sunday, right, until uh, that other team we play. Um, in 1973, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band uh, had a hit called Turn the Page. Um, it was a um, kind of a sullen kind of a song. It was, it was actually kind of depressing, if you will. And then in uh, 20. 18, Jason Aldean uh, did a remake of that and had Seeger at 75 join him on stage to sing it. And um, in, in essence, there's a line of the song that talks about just turn the page and then 16 hours of grind and then you turn the page again. And it, and it was like Seeger had come to grips at somewhere in his, um, uh, in his career that there wasn't a lot to this life that really all it was was he, he gave everything he had and he turned around and drove to another city and did it again. And, you know, at Al Dean, then uh, coming of age, if you will, um, probably felt the same thing why he did the remake with Seeger. Um, and, and whether your, your, your struggle is inward where it's, it's not easily seen and recognized or it's outward um, for the whole world to see, Our world, where we live now, only offers us one kind of sort of turn-the-page day, and we just experienced it. It's it's why on December 31st it is celebrated the way it's celebrated. In a lot of sense, it's it's a hopeful turn-the-page day. Uh, It was was, uh, January, or it was December 31st, 1983, was my one and only experience in Times Square and I thought that was I thought that was going to be the life, you know. You mean to celebrate uh, New Year's Eve in Times Square, and it was not. Um, so, so that was my one and only experience. Um, you might you might experience. We, we you might say that there's another turn the page day in our life. It's kind of one that we hit those big birthdays, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70, and as many as you can. Um, experience after that, right? But it's kind of like, well, my 20s are gone. Now what do I do? Kind of a turn the page. My 30s are gone. It's funny how when you turn 20 and 30, how you think all of life has passed you by. Um, um, But there's good news today. 
And that God's specialty isn't in turning the page days. God's specialty is renewals. That's what he does. And that's our word for 2022. I'm, I'm curious how many of you watched um, our broadcast from last Sunday. Last Sunday, the seven of us were watching that. That's awesome. No, there's more of you. You're just, you're just admitting to it. That's kind of when I first started unpacking um, this word for uh, 2022. And it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a cliche to do this. It's not a um, looking for a theme of the year. It's been a ritual. It's been a, my own rhythm with the Lord over the last seven or eight years, um, looking to him to what, what's, what's next, if you will. What is, a, is there a target? What, where are you going to direct us? And, and every year, in seven, eight years, after the first year of a surprise, I had not even was praying into that. But each successive year after that, um, he has. He's been very faithful to that. And, and this year, um, I felt like what he told me was renewal. And when you hear God first speak that word, um, I mean, for me, I just exhaled. You know, um, you, you don't know maybe how much you need it until you hear it, right? And then you hear it and you kind of exhale. So, um, so here's how I kind of broke it down at from an English perspective, this word renewal. We have, uh, and for all of your uh, English majors in here. We have, we have a prefix of re, which means again. And then the, the new is the root of this, of this word, right? So root would mean fresh or original. And then the suffix al is, is an in, indicating a process or an action. I, I like it adding another l, which is not grammatically correct. That would mean it's for everybody, right? So it's, it's kind of renewal then I defined it then as a replenishing process or a restoration process for original fresh life. And that's a good word. And why the world only gives us one, possibly two days that we can somehow latch onto that. Um, God's word, he and himself gives us really four substantial days. The first is his incarnation day. This is what we experienced just a week or so ago with um, the birthday of Christ, whether or not, right, the 25th is an actual day of birth or not. It's, it is a season, it's an area around in which we celebrate the incarnation, his, his flesh day. It wasn't his origination day. Um, he had no beginning. He, he has no end. And yet it is, it is the day in which we can best understand and recognize the God of the universe because he covered the distance that you and I could not cover, becomes flesh, moves into the neighborhood, and, and really for all of time, Christianity changes from a following of rules to a following of a person. That the law that was established was to direct us to God, but it never could get us all the way there until Christ. And then Christ comes not to abolish the law, not to render it as powerless, but to fulfill its very purpose and promise. And that is a very much a renewal day. And then we had his death day. Ironically, that the Christian world calls Good Friday. A day in which um, we were removed when the price of sin was paid, not by those who committed those sins, but by the very person who had not ever committed a sin. And on that day, that is a renewal day. 
You know, every sin has a cost. It has a, a penalty. It doesn't get just get swept under a rug. It, it has to be covered. And yet that one day covers all the sin that had been shed and done and all that would ever be. And then we had his resurrection day. Now, now we're getting really deep into the renewal days. Because here's a day that was supposed to be an ending day, and what it, do, what it did was it was a beginning day. Where the, the power of sin, sin still is, I mean, if you're alive and breathing, you know, sin still has a say in our life, doesn't it? It still has a say. But on that day, it lost the ability to be the say. That it that doesn't get to be the last word. Then, then the, the power and the, and the exercise of that power over us is destroyed on that day day. And then death, what most everyone fears. At some level, we, we're, we're not ready to do that day yet. And, and the resurrection day of Christ promises us that that is not an end day either, that it is also a beginning day. And so those are, those are three kind of theological days. And then we have our salvation day. And no doubt, I have learned over the decades that coming to Christ is very much a process. And many times, people can't go back and, and kind of pull out the day. It, it seems to be more of a, a time or a season. But I will say there is a ground zero somewhere because the ground zero is when I then turn my will and way over to his will and way. I mean, that, 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 is, that is a significant surrender day. It might take us a process to understand uh, the sacrifice of Christ and the love of Christ to where we want to, to lean into that. But I very much believe there is a ground zero day where we say, I am not going to live with the same thoughts and attitudes and actions as I once did. I want to follow, I want to follow him. And that would be our ground zero day. Titus 3, 3 and 8 says, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Hope is a renewal word. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. These are our anchor renewal days. These are what set the stage for every other day in our life. We need renewal. They were all established in those days. Well, pastor, it doesn't feel very much like a renewal time or renewal period. Um, and again, this is what I've kind of preached through the, um, through the um, Advent season. If you wait to enjoy the promise of a hope to when it's fulfilled, we've missed out on a whole lot of opportunity of hope and joy. That, that, that the time in which it is given is the time in which we should latch onto it. Hebrews 11, 
says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then we read this chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, and it is a very faith-filling chapter when we look back into the ancients and how they were able to live in the promise, although the days of the promise and the fulfillment of that never fully came. They got to experience them only as a shadow, if you will. But they held on and did more than held on. They pushed forward. I'm tired of holding on. I don't know about yo. I'm right. we, we push forward in that promise. Um, you know, Toby Mack and I, Toby and I, even though I'll call him Toby, uh, we don't know one another. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I drive by his house a lot. I don't know if you do, if you drive by the factory. And, you know, for a period of time, he had a, he had a large black drapery hanging in the front of that big house because of the death of his son. And I don't know, it's been probably 18 months or more ago. And I don't know how long this particular song of his has been out, but it's been since the death of his son called Promised Land. And in, in particular, Toby Mac fashion, it, the way to turn a phrase and to put words together the beginning of the song is very, um, very somber, where he asks, where is this promised land? But that ends very hopeful with this understanding and observation that there are no gold streets this side of heaven. But he's still holding on to that there is a promised land. And that... That, to me, was the, the counterbalance to Seeger's turn the page. There was good acknowledgement in terms of awareness. There was um, legitimate intelligence in understanding and recognizing the life we live. And yet one had no answer. Just turn the page. As long as you got enough breath, get up and do it the next day. And there was Toby's that there really is, I'm going to live in this promised land holding on to the promise of God, and there will be a day. It's interesting, he said, you know, we, we don't, when we, we think we will want answers to the, you know, all the questions, and, and honestly, I don't think we will. I don't think we will. I, I, I think there will be kind of an instant understanding, if you will. I, I don't think... There's going to be a time we sit down with our journal with God and we go through all of the times in which we really were wondering where he was at. I think we'll know. I think we'll know. So, after receiving this word of renewal, what my next thought was, well, what do I have to do to be renewed? So, any doers or fixers in the room? And the, and the, the laughter is louder than the hands, right? Then, then the, the doer and the fixer of me then kind of kicks in. All right, love the word. Now, what do I got to do? Give, give, me, give, me, give me my role in this word renewal. And I felt he was very quick in his response. That renew is something you do, Charles. He calls me Charles, I think, sometimes. Renewal is something I do. Boy, that was even better than hearing the word renewal. Renew is something you do. Renewal is something I do. And then so I 
phrased it this way, renewal is received, it's not achieved. Something we receive from God. Um, but then the words of my father would echo in my, my heart. You can't just sit there like a bump on a log. So what, what is then... And in my own vernacular and the way I process, process things, and it really isn't a sense of what do I have to do, but what has to be done in order for God to do the work that he's promised. And so I just kind of put it together in a, a little formula. So forgive me for those who don't think that way, but um, that renewal action um, aware, ask, offer and obey, that this new again, the new two then is, is this, this, there has to be this awareness and an ask coupled with an offer and obedience. And that's what I want to break down for a remaining time. Um, you know, older cars, now, now they're much more sophisticated, right? But then there was a, and it still happens, there's a ding when you're, when you're low on gas, right? Ding, there's a light. My father used to call those lights idiot lights. Um, hey, said, Eric, you, it's probably, you still call him, right? Because my father believed you ought to be one with your vehicle, right? <laughs> you, 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 you ought to be in complete understanding of what that car or truck was thinking at any given moment. Um, now, right, they, they give you all this, you know, this is many miles till empty and they'll keep, you know, flashing up. And then some vehicles, you can hit a, hit a button and change the way the, you know, the car will, will operate to give you even more. And I'm, I'm curious, you probably land in one or two camps in here when that happens. One is, oh, I've got 50 more miles. <laughs> right? And you, anybody, anybody pull into a gas pump at one or zero. <laughs> okay. And then you have those going, the, the panic and every bit of your to-do list stops because you are going to find a gas station. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, regardless of what it costs per gallon, right? You are going to um, never um, buy gas around around here if you um, care about price of gas. <laughs> right? Uh, you, it, the shock that happens. So, um, can you be aware of your? Uh, can you be aware of your spiritual and emotional? status of needing of renewal. Can you be aware of that? The answer is yes. And then the next question would be, can you do anything about that? And the answer again is yes. I know my own particular idiot lights that go on with me. Um, I become irritable, easily overwhelmed, somewhat pessimistic, and I am, I am not pessimistic. I, maybe I am. I'm, I call that, actually true pessimists will, will own pessimism. Um, if you're not a true pessimism, pessimist, you call that being a realist, right? Like that's, that's how those definitions shake out. Um, but easily overwhelmed, uh, negative, and lacking confidence are my um, idiot lights. It's when I don't necessarily recognize that I'm in need of renewal, but those things should cause me and have caused me then through life to go, why, why am I acting this way? Why is this impacting me this way? It shouldn't, or it hasn't at other times. Why now? And those are the, the lights showing that there is need for renewal. 
I've witnessed other people, their own idiot lights, um, avoiding people. Avoiding people is an idiot light of saying, for you to say, what, what's going on with me? I'll, I'll go a step, I'll meddle a step further, avoiding congregational worship on a Sunday. This, why, why is that? Why would I not? What is going on? And these are things that lead to even more drain unless they are dealt with. But until you are aware you're running on fumes, you will never ask God for renewal. And that's where the awareness comes in. Until you become aware, you will never ask for renewal. Um, I go to a chiropractor. Um, I've, I've believed in chiropractic since I was uh, a college student. And when I chiropractor was able to put me back together and put me back on the field in one day. And I went, oh, I, I believe in this stuff. And um, now, you know, the old joke is how many chiropractors does it take to change a light bulb? Right. One, but it takes three visits um, is, <laughs> is the uh, chiropractor. But I have a great chiropractor, and um, sometimes I just go in for maintenance, right? And they want you to go in. Just, I keep asking why he can't fix me. He says, because I keep doing the same stupid things uh, all the time. And so, um, but there's a table, the way he stretches you out before you go in for um, the adjustment. And you'll lay on this table and it roller stretches you, right? He calls it the great revealer. Because there's been plenty of times where I feel like I'm doing fine. I'm just going in for a maintenance visit. And I get on the table and they turn it on and the tech is looking at me and seeing the grimace on my face going, are you Okay. <laughs> And well, well, I thought I was right before I laid on this table, right? And because, it's just, oh, you know, it starts to move. To me, the two years of COVID that we have navigated was the great revealer. That it put pressure on systems that didn't have that kind of pressure on them before. And so it then revealed where was our anxiety? What was the state of our marriage? What was the state of enjoyment with our job? It was, it was a great revealer. It made, it's kind of like when the kids move away and go to college. It makes you then look at your spouse and go, oh, we're actually husband and wife, um, not just mom and dad. It's a great revealer. But until you become, now you can look at it two ways. You can go, oh, well, I didn't realize this is so bad, so I better get out. Or you can say, I didn't realize that was the problem. Now I know, what do I do about it? In a very poignant Psalm, Psalm 51, verse 10, David said this, he asked God, creating me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. What a great, what a great verse. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and, and renew. So for David to say renew, David had once experienced a steadfast spirit. And think of the word just as it sounds. Steadfastness is the ability to withstand force and stay strong and stay put. And David had that experience. He knew what that was. And he asks, though, because he knows it's not there. Now, why does, here's the interesting one. David, David was hiding something. David was going to waste away internally if it wasn't for the confrontation of the prophet Nathan, and Nathan confronts David, and here David is the first time, this is David coming clean with his secret, what he believed to have been a secret sin. 
But that secret sin was going to erode him. And it had, because as soon as he was made aware that God was aware, then he instantly, he doesn't double down. Boy, this is what our culture does. Our culture doubles down on their position. Can I tell you that that might work as a PR campaign? It does not work with God. Doubling down with God, it doesn't work. He, he is there for the purpose of renewal. This is why he came. He says, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so when, when we're confronted by God, it is for a good purpose. It is for a renewing purpose purpose. And even though we put ourselves in this position, he is there to get us out of that position. And his confrontation, I I preached it this year, is one side of grace. We we, we want the other side of grace. We want the side of grace that just says, um, hey, no problem. It's, It's taken care of. We all like that part of grace, but it is as graceful to be confronted in our sin. Or we would, how long would David have continued in the secrecy of that moment without the confrontation of Nathan? And get, and let's get this now. David wouldn't have been the only one that suffered. A nation would have suffered. A nation would have suffered. So the enemy wants us to keep these things that no one else sees. He wants, he wants, us, to keep, he wants us to keep that a secret. And, 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 and he, and he, and he um, appeals kind of to our... Um, our self-worth, he, he will appeal to um, not wanting to be exposed. He'll, he'll appeal to all those, all those emotions and feelings. But what he really wants you to do is stay stuck in that uncleanness. He, want, uh, he wants us stuck in that, in that exhaustiveness. He wants us stuck in that slow and steady leak. That's where he wants us stuck. So part of renewal is, is this, this moment of of awareness of where I am, that literally there is blocks and barriers between God and I. Maybe not from a salvation standpoint, but definitely from a relational standpoint. And then we we have to fall in line with David and ask, Lord, create in me a clean spirit. Create in me a steadfast heart. But sometimes it's the the, the need for renewal isn't self-inflicted. It's just been inflicted. Right, just inflicted. Um, you know, I could I could show you a tire. I could show you the wear of a tire, and it will tell you you know what part of your of the front end of your vehicle is out of line, and you you wouldn't necessarily know it. You you might feel a little tug in the steering wheel, but you wouldn't know it. But you look at the tire and you know it. You know it. One side's wearing differently than another side. You can. You can tell it when it's overinflated, when it's wearing in the center and it's not wearing on the outside. You can tell if it's underinflated when it's wearing on both sides evenly, but it's not wearing in the center. You don't necessarily know it the way you drive it, but then you look at it and see it and, and you know, well, this is, this needs a change. Um, you know, I, I had a, a tire on a, on a Gina's vehicle and we, ne- we just never could, it just was, it was a constant slow leak. And as much as I tried to find it, take it to professionals to find, no one could find it. Um, finally, I got, I got something stuck in the sidewall and I was able to get rid of it. It was an expensive tire and I was happy because I was tired of just always going in the garage every morning and finding, where in the world is this air going? Sometimes we just get a slow leak. There's just something there that just won't go away and it just continually drains and drains and drains. 
regardless of what, you know, even un, when, when you don't use something, it leaks, right? You're supposed to get the oil change in your vehicle once a year, whether you drive it or not. Why? Because the viscosity of that oil still breaks down over time, not even just over use. You can have tires that you don't drive on dry rot. They just sit there. Some, listen, some of you all might be leaking because you ain't moving. There ain't been enough growth, enough development, enough hunger for God or your spouse or your family or job or whatever. But it, it, the leakage is because you're just not, you're not moving. I think one year I made a, I made a New Year's resolution. I was going to move more and sit less. And it sounded great and it wrote great, but I sure as heck didn't do it. You see, see the, the danger, especially around January, is especially a word like this. Man, this is a great word. I mean, and I love stronger, and I love forward, and that got me, that got all of the competitive juices in me flowing. But where I end up after those two years of, of stronger and forward is tired. We can just sit here and do nothing, or we can be aware of it, and then ask God, I remember I wrote on a whiteboard in my office a couple years ago, and it just came out of a time for prayer. And the reason why it came out this way, I think, is because I must have been complaining. I know I'm probably the only person that complains to God in prayer in the room. Because, because I wrote down what I heard God said in my spirit. What have you asked for that I have not done? Oh, okay. So, so how I heard that then was... You're doing a lot of complaining. You're not doing a lot of asking. Right? Because, because God's a gentleman. We begin asking God. He begins answering. What do you do with a complaint? I mean, literally. I mean, what do you do when someone complains to you? Like, if you're not naturally a doer and a fixer, you can just sit there and go, okay. Right? Your personality, doer and fixer, is you want to kind of solve the complaint. But a lot of times, the complaint can't be solved. You can tweak, you can do this, you can do that, but the complainer is still going to live with that same complaint. And I think sometimes we just sit and complain to God. He's like, okay, but is there something else you want to ask or say? And, and the ask isn't a predetermined solution. Like a lot of times our ask is we just want God to solve it in the way in which we want it solved instead of trusting in this omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God to say, I need to be renewed. I need this situation to be renewed. I, I, I want this relationship to be renewed. All renewal begins with an awareness and then an ask. And what's the two O's? Well, offer and obey is how I've worded it. And speaking to a church in Rome, Paul gives a two-verse proposition on how to live renewed in a society that worked against renewal every day. Now, Rome would have been a great place to live. I mean, in the day, Rome would have been a great place to live. It had all the best restaurants. It had all the best entertainment. I mean, we'd been, you would want a front seat in the Coliseum. All right? You'd want to see it. I mean, everybody wanted to see it. It would have been a great, I mean, you know, inflation, who knows what it was like, but the market was good. Right, um, I'm a good place to live, uh, unless you were a Christian, and then it became a place where you were going to be hung on a stake and lit on fire to light the Nero's garden. Paul writes this to them during the time they would have been 
put on stakes in Leighton Gardens. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, it's it's an important phrase, it's an important phrase, in view of God's mercy, in in light of what's been done for you, here's the response, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, I love standing and worshiping in here with you. I love singing and worshiping. Um, but it is, it is, it's an activity, and it is worship. But what God is looking for is this whole heart, whole body, whole giving over as, an, as worship. This is the offering of worship. And he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Rome offered a shell of a life that God had promised. And Paul is offering the antidote. Offering ourselves is to offer our will, our ways, our entire lives to God. Nothing short of that, nothing short of that, according to Paul, is worthy of the price that was paid for us. And I I will say that this is a continual posture of renewal is that we, when we stay in a posture of offering our whole selves to him, that we don't parse out attitudes, actions, behaviors, um, allegiances, time, but it is, a, it is a continual offering of all of ourselves to him in worship and offer. Now, when we get to, and I'll just tell you that that, 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 that sounds simple. It is, it is something that has to be practiced regularly. Because um, habits, that's how habits form. The only way habits get broken, right, is the recognition of a bad habit. And then you have to, you have to almost flip habits is the best way, right? Um, if you ever try to stop something cold turkey, you realize, you know, that's why they call it cold turkey. It's not even a great sounding phrase, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to do, but it's, it's easier to do when you, when you habit flip, when you replace a good habit for a bad habit and you start turning your attention to the new habit and then after a period of time, that new habit becomes, it becomes routine. And this is what Paul is getting at. He said, if, if, we, if we offer our full selves to God, our, our ways, our wills, then, and we flip them and we put his way and will in its place, here comes the good habit. Because what he tells us is, don't be conformed. That, that word literally means don't be squeezed into the mold of don't be squeezed into someone else's mold. Be your own person. And, and in fact, it's, that isn't a tough sell in America, be your own person. The tough sell is be God's person is the tough sell, right? Because we don't want to obey anybody, right? I mean, I mean we, we always have a reason of why we don't stand in that line. Anybody that tries to assert themselves over us in any form or fashion, there is this natural inclination. Well, tell me what to do. Now that comes, that comes from this, this source that I know what's best for me and you're, you're not for me. And yet when we turn to God, he, he, he does want what's best for us and he is for us. So obedience to God isn't, isn't like obedience to any kind of arbitrary 
rule that we don't understand all the background to, but they understand how sin drives out our natural desire for obedience. Don't, he says, don't, don't let this, this great city. I mean, Paul, I mean, he was there, I think he was in prison, but I mean, he's still probably, if I got to be in prison somewhere, you know, let it be Rome, right? So Paul, Paul understood all the trappings of their city and their time. And he's saying, don't allow those, those trappings to squeeze you into that mold. Here's how you renew your mind. Here's how you're transformed. Renew your mind. Put other stuff in there. When I when I went to um, when I went to do my doctoral work, it was um, it was ten years after I was out of school. So so you know it's 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 safe to assume when I got out of school, when I got out of grad school, I, I didn't want to go to school no more. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was I was done with school. And I find myself ten years later going back to school. And um, to finish this particular program, I had to do three consecutive weeks on campus back in New Jersey. Um, and my, my daughter, was Annie was like three. Um, and I still had a full-time job. I was given the opportunity to go do this. And I find myself in this dorm room, this cinder block dorm room on campus in northern New Jersey that they, you had to pay so much for an undergrad degree, I was like, I would never lift, left my daughter in this dorm room. I mean, they must have put us in the worst dorm rooms known, where, where you know, the bathroom is down the hall. That's how old these dorm rooms were. And here I find I'm, I'm a grown man, and I am signing up to get a refrigerator in my room and a dial phone. Yes, I do. Well, I went to school, um, I had three classes, and they were Monday through Friday, 8 to 11, 1 to 4, 7 to 10. Five days straight, turn around five more days, turn around five more days, and then every, every day a new assignment was due in that class that had to be turned in. So when do you do it? Well, you do it between 11 and 1 and 4 and 7 and 10 to you are comatose. And then no printer, so then rushing to a computer lab so that I could print the assignments for the day so that when I show up in class, I could give them. And first day in, I mean, I'm crying in my room, right? I'm, I'm 40. I'm crying, or I'm crying in my room because I miss my, I miss Gina and I miss Annie. I'm laying in this bunk. I'm like, right? This bunk with this refrigerator. And I'm like, what am I doing here? My head was pounding, looking at the syllabuses, and I was like, there is no way I'm getting through this. And I don't know, that complaint God heard. And somewhere along the line, this Romans 12, 1 and 2 pops in my head. Be transforming the renewing of your mind. I went, yeah, great. Well, how do you do that? And I felt like what the Lord told me to do was to get up and start reading my Bible. Well, it's already like 1030. I'd been in class all day long looking at what I was going to have to turn in. And I went, you're serious? That, that's your answer. I, I've got books over here. I don't need another book. And I, after he had nothing else to say, I said, fine. Fine. I said it just like that. Fine. <laughs> then, then I picked up my Bible and opened up to Habakkuk. You want to renew my mind through the word? Do it through Habakkuk. 
finished the first chapter, my headache was gone. It's only three chapters in Habakkuk. He had to work fast. <laughs> By the third chapter, I am wide stinking awake. I mean, like not tired, wide awake. And I was able to stay up and complete two days of assignments. The one that had to be turned in the next day. And then for all three classes the next day. And when that was over, I was sleepy. Went to sleep, popped up for the next class the next morning. And I stayed one day ahead for all three weeks. I stayed ahead that one full day, all three weeks. That made an indelible impression on me. I mean, that was back in 2000 when that happened. So we're looking at 21 years later, and I will never forget that God's answer to my need, in my opinion, <laughs> was the exact opposite thing that I needed. You, 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 are, you are prescribing to me a pill that will kill me. This is not the way forward. This is not any way to renew me. And there was silence. I want to know, when was the last time you prayed and asked God for direction? And he gave it to you and you didn't follow and you haven't heard a thing from him since. And you think it's silence. And what it is, is his answer is on repeat. That's why a pastor will stand up at any particular time and say, you know, you got to be in the word. And, and, and the American church goes, yeah, 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 next, heard that. You, you need to be among other believers. And you need to stand in corporate worship. Yeah, 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 next. I, I heard, heard that one. What, don't you have anything new for me, pastor? And really the good news is I don't. The bad news is if I would create something else. We become aware, come on up team. We become aware that there is need for renewal. And we ask God, Lord, I need renewal. And I know you're the only one that can renew me. Renew me. And we offer ourselves to him in worship. Lord, whatever I have, whoever I am, whatever way I take, every decision I make, I give it to you. I give myself to you. And then we listen. We listen. Because with our listening comes his answer, and that is what we end up following. How does God speak to us? I know sometimes I'll, I'll talk as if, you know, um, you know, I hear God audibly or anything. And that's, unfortunately, that's just decades and decades of me talking about kind of how God and I interact. I don't hear God audibly. There, there are things that happen. And I'm going to tell you, God doesn't do random, right? So, so when I'm in prayer and then it, something happens or a circumstance comes about, I see that as God's kind of direction and answer. And I'll say, you know, I heard God and, you know. But when we open up his word, we hear God. It's, 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 him, it's him speaking. Um, we'll, we'll go into our annual fast as a church next, uh, next Sunday. I'll talk about fasting. Um, 
I'll talk about creating space for God. I'll talk about how, how much food dominates our lives. And God doesn't have anything against food. He just has, he has something about something else dominating our lives. Right. We've done it. Um, this will be the, the 16th, I guess, the 16th year of, of, of leading a church through, uh, through a fast. There will be uh, the best resource I've ever found on fasting is written by a pastor in Atlanta and uh, or Gainesville. It's just simply called Fasting. Jensen Franklin wrote it. I bought 50 copies. Uh, they're out there um, at the Welcome Center. And uh, they're, you know, they're just 50. So, um, but they're, they're yours. If, if you want to get a, a head start and a deep dive on what does it mean to fast. Um, I bought 100 of these journals and had them personalized uh, called Renewal 2022. There's two different colors. They're it's turned out to be my favorite journal. I was a moleskin guy for a long time. And then I found, I found these. And um, from a practical standpoint, um, the, the ink doesn't leak through the page, so I can write on both sides of the page. Um, the pages are numbered. Um, you can index where you write, when you write. It opens flat. I can fold them in half. I can't destroy one. Um, and um, for every one you buy, they, they print a Bible and send it to another country. And so about 100 of these. Now, these I want you to pay for. Um, I want you to have some skin in the game on these. Um, well, pastor, it's just an empty book. Yeah, and you might not be a journal or a writer. I'm not really good at it. But what I learned about my own life is when I write something down, it sticks. It's just something with me. And so um, when someone else is preaching, I'm writing. When I'm reading my Bible, I'm writing. Um, I picked up a new devotional source. Just it was interesting. Just praying personally, even before, even during service, and I'm back here trying to protect you from my germs. And Oswald Chambers, uh, my most first highest. I have a leather-bound copy. It was sitting on a shelf in there, and it's odd because I read it every day in the '90s. It seemed, and then it's just kind of been on a shelf for a long time, and it's looking for someone else to speak into me. And I see it sitting there. Is that a coincidence? Oh, it's not a coincidence. It's an answer to being aware and asking and God responds. Are you in need of renewal? You may be more than you think you are. So that's, those are 10 bucks. Still less than what they cost, but there's a hundred of them out there if you want a journal. Um, we, uh, we created a, a page on the website, um, gatewayfranklin.com slash Renewal 22, I believe it is. Do we have that link up there? Is that, put that link. It should be. It should have been our last slide. There it is. So, um, Pastor Chris and some of the worship people put a Spotify, um, a Spotify, whatever they're called, whatever you you would call them, uh, with some songs that could help with renewal. We put um, particular books that maybe the staff would have recommended for. Renewal, or um, Eugene Peterson uh, wrote a book in 1980. Eugene Peterson is the person who developed the the, uh, the paraphrase called the Message, and um, he wrote a book in 1980 called Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And then he said, um, I think it's Discipleship. There we go. Discipleship in an Instant Society. You're saying we, we, want it, we want it instantaneously. We, we want to be renewed. We want to be like Christ instantaneously. It's not an instant process. It's long obedience in the same direction. 
So anyway, there's a number of resources there where we just said, hey, look, this personally has been helpful in our renewal through the years, and that's on there. Um, there are a bunch of kind of fasting tips, if you will, things in which fasting uh, produces, how to go about it, that's on that page. Um, so it's just trying to create kind of a resource for you to be able to, um, to access. And there's a place on there also that you can, you can put a prayer request in. Um, we don't do generic around here, we, prayers and meaning, I mean, staff meeting, well, anything that's we know of, it's been turned into writing. I mean, we bring it and we pray over it in staff meeting. Our elders do the same thing. There's a group of people that will meet regularly and they do the same thing. You can be assured that when you put anything, I received one today from someone that, that um, watches in North Carolina. And last night I found one that one came in um, to me personally that from someone watching in Virginia, I think they they live. So they get prayed over whether we've met, whether we met them or not. They get prayed over. There's a place for you to do that in there. And so well, the way I want us to just, our response time is, is to, um, to leave it in your lap to be aware and ask. Um, so whatever that looks like for you today, um, you might want to come to the altar and spend a moment. Um, you might want to receive communion, which is to the left and right of me. Um, but movement still matters, even in a season of renewal. And I encourage you to respond however God has moved on your heart. Um, when someone comes to the altar, elders or staff can pray with them, please. Um, and if you, you know, if you know them, please come and, you know, if you feel comfortable and pray with them as well. Whatever you need renewal at, I'll ask you to lay it here today. Father, Thank you that you will confront us when we need confronting. You'll cuddle us when we need cuddling. Lord, I know the enemy would like us to uh, stay empty or stay leaking. And that's not your call nor desire for us for this year in particular. I wonder how empty we must be for you to lead us in a year of renewal. But Lord, instead of being um, ashamed of being empty or leaking, Father, we humbly come before you and ask you to fill the hole and fill us. It's your son's name we ask. Amen. You stand for worship and I encourage you to move. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.